There are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels. Let's go. This is the Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. Join me as I uncover the secrets of the world's most elite CMOs marketing leaders. The Revenue Driven CMO is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your man, Chris Mechanic, here with a really awesome guest that I like. You know, I'm just so excited to, to speak with. She's got just like depth in terms of marketing, but also just like a lot of cultural and emotional uh, awareness as well. Nearly two decades of experience in GovTech as a marketing leader across many different verticals, recently recognized as one of Washington Exec's 2023 Chief Marketing Officer Award finalists um, of the year. She's a member of the AMA, the Federal Partner Advisory Board at Dell Technologies, currently serving as Chief Marketing Officer at Iron Boat Technologies. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Sarah Kim to the show. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm so glad to be here. How are you, Chris? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind day for me, just kind of, you know, back back to back culture these last mm. these last couple of weeks. But it's good because, you know, generally when you're having meetings and when you're busy, things are good. Certainly yeah. better than the opposite of it. That's right. Yeah. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to, to be hanging out with you today and talk all things marketing. So what, what's better it. than that? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, cool. Well, you know how we like to roll. We like to lead with value. Tell us what is one of your best kept secrets to marketing success? All right. You ready, Chris? I'm ready. Uh, okay. My secret is flexing my nunchi to design more effective demand gen marketing campaigns to drive growth for the business. So we're going to bring culture to the podcast today, Chris. Flexing the noon cheese. So I know what that is because you told me on the on the prep call, but tell us what noon chi is. Okay. So noon chi is a Korean word. It refers to your ability to read the room, see, feel emotions, moods, body language, verbal and nonverbal cues. So in mm. English, it's closest to your EQ, but at expert levels. That's what we're talking today. Okay. All right. So tell us, how do we, how do we flex? How does one flex their Nunji? So we're going to go through flexing. I first, because what I don't want is for some of your listeners to be thinking, this isn't for me because this is a squishy topic. I promise yeah. you it's not. So let me just lay the foundation. Okay. okay. So if you haven't already, you're going to hear more about EQ as a foundational pillar for effective marketing and growth, right? So I'll give you some examples. HBR EQ is like IQ. I think most people know that, but just in case yes. people don't know EQ, it's like IQ, except instead of for intelligence, it's for emotional, it's yeah. your emotional quotient. Correct. Emotional intelligence. That's right. Sometimes yeah. you'll see EI out there as well, but it's usually EQ. Yeah. So um, when you think through, just look at some of the research out there. So um, HBR talks about the science of customer emotions, how emotional motivators drive consumer behavior, which impacts CSAT, which influences churn rate, right? And there's this reason why brand EQ indexes exist now. If you didn't know that, there's actual data that proves that brands with higher EQ are outperforming stock market indices. They're growing mm. faster than competitors. Really? So, 
It's a real thing. And I'll, I'll just point to Google, Samsung, Apple, perfect examples of high EQ. And you'll pick that up when you actually see their ads and their messaging. Yeah. Well, I don't want to derail too far from, from the topic of Nunchi. And I know that you've got, um, you've got more on that, but, but in, how would you define EQ in general? Is it just like having an awareness and like an empathetic standpoint toward the way that others are feeling? It's not just the awareness, but it's the ability to take that awareness and turn it into action immediately. It's like your ability to consume that data. And the data points are, again, it's the verbal, nonverbal cues. And then how do I on the fly pivot my behavior and my response back to you based on what you're giving me? That is what Nunchi is. Okay. I love it. Yes. Cool. So then tie this all back for us. So how does this relate to marketing? Like how can a marketing executive use this or how do you use this? Yes. Okay. So we're going to um, kind of take this in a different approach here today. So if you didn't know, this is a fun fact. I'm a boy mom, but the fun fact is I'm an official, unofficial brand ambassador for Marvel. Everything in this house is Marvel. So <laughs> let's let's look at this through the lens of superheroes Assuming your listeners know who the Avengers are. So Chris, which Avenger are you here? Um, I don't know the Avengers, but could I be Iron Man? Is that one of them? Iron Man is one of them. Okay. So I'll be Iron Man. Okay. okay. All right. I'm going to be Hulk here. Feeling Hulkish today. So okay. these five infinity stones are what we're all after to achieve the strongest Nunchi. All right. So how I think about it is stone one is really around prioritizing your self-awareness because Chris, it's at the core of EQ or Nunchi. If you don't actually understand your own motivations and behaviors, it's impossible to understand others. So that's kind of step one in achieving a strong Nunchi. Mm-hmm. And I promise this is all going to tie into how to turn that into action for marketing. Okay. So your second stone is focusing on your customer's emotional motivators because you cannot lose sight of your customer's pain, what's keeping them up at night, what's mm-hmm. impeding their processes, what's creating risks. You mm-hmm. can't sleep on this one because your campaign messaging, your visuals, your approach have to be grounded in their emotional motivators. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's your second stone. Got it. Third stone, people overlook, please use plain language. I know that using big words matter to your board, but your customers don't care. You cannot assume that they're all technically savvy. I mean, how many times, Chris, have you run into this when you've seen marketing out there? All the time. Right. High-tech marketing, right? Yeah. The Census Bureau put out some research that talked about how almost 80% of people are just scanning and only 16% actually read word by word. Yeah. Think about as marketers, right? Plain language is going to reduce the need for clarification. You only have a moment to grab their attention. And then how many times have you heard, Chris, people say, I want to be the trusted advisor, especially in tech? Sure. Yeah. All the time. You you achieve that by being approachable as a brand, by not making your customers feel intimidated or uncomfortable. You do that through speaking and writing in plain language. Yep. I love that concept. So that's the third infinity stone. That's the third. The fourth stone is, is zooming out. I say that all the time. So it reminds me of when my dad was teaching me how to drive and he would always tell me, stop looking at the car right in front of you, look way ahead. So you can, right, you can respond properly. If you think about intentionally looking at things through different lenses and vantage points, your customer's point of view, 
if you work in the channel, your partner's point of view, your board, private equity, your employees, it's going to give you this holistic view that helps you identify blind spots. You're going to implement a stronger, more effective marketing strategy if you do that. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Well, what's the fifth? We're going to unpack all these, but what's the fifth? (laughs) The fifth is around, you got to meet people where they are. We have to pay attention to how our customers are consuming information today and how they actually want to be engaged. Obviously, tech's evolving. Generative AI is all over the place. Our buyers are evolving. I'll give you an example for any one of your listeners who happens to work in the GovTech space, right? There was a very recent ban on TikTok on all federal devices. So that just eliminated, Chris, an entire social platform from the go-to-market motion, Yeah. right? So you have to be paying attention to how your customers can and want to consume information, or you're going to spend a ton of wasted um, expenses and and time. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So to summarize, Noonchi is the art and science of reading the room and adapting in real time. And there's five keys to to upping your game in terms of uh, Noonchi, prioritizing self-awareness, you cannot know others if you don't know yourself, yeah. right? So understanding your own motivations and behaviors. Then understanding your customers' motivations. This is almost like a um, hierarchy, you yeah. know? Like you can't achieve the second infinity stone really before you achieve the first, right? right. Yeah. So second is the customer's emotional motivations. What's painful for them? What's keeping them up at night? Uh And so those, I feel like are the two, it's like the core, you know, like that's the foundational core, like in, in uh, Pavlov's hierarchy of need, there's like, you know, food and shelter at the bottom, you know, and then you can't achieve really spiritual enlightenment without those things. Um, But then after that, it's plain language, speaking to customers, like, right, like you talk, zooming out watching the horizon and you know uh looking at things through different lenses and then finally meeting people where they are yep so those things are not it's not like five you know disconnected infinity stones they're all very much connected and and pretty much like progressive in the way that they they meet so i love that framework yeah and what's worth noting chris is as marketers we have been conditioned to to not think about this in this way. It's always been focus on the standard growth KPIs because that's what our PE firms, our boards, right? That's what they've cared about for so long. But as we just discussed today, the ability to create more meaningful engagements with customers um, really relies on our ability to achieve achieve these five things, to do these five things, put them into practice. So it's, it's very important. Yeah. So... In your perspective, I feel like if you ask, if you ask people like, hey, are you self-aware? Most people would say, yes, I'm very self-aware. <laughs> what is your opinion? Are most people self-aware or do you think most people are just like operating sort of on autopilot? I think most people are, to be fair, I think they have um, some level of self-awareness, but I think it's safe to say that there is always for everyone an opportunity to um have a healthier amount of self-awareness. So I would say to achieve stone one, 
It's what's the first thing we do, Chris, when we're problem solving or assessing a, a situation? Risk reward scenarios or like, what are the options? You know, what are the, what's the risk reward associated with each? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. It's in it. And to do that, you're, you're measuring the current state, right? What is the situation today? So my sort of advice there is if you don't really know where your EQ is today, ask the people around you. And I'm not talking about the people who love you and are biased. Ask yeah. everyone so you can get a really healthy point of view on a read, I should say, on where your EQ lies today. And that'll give you yeah. a good sense of how, you know, where you need to work on things. That's a good point. But I feel like for a lot of leaders, that's difficult to get at, you know, because you can't ask your team like, hey, you know, how do you, how am I on my EQ? You know, like they're going to mostly say yes, because they don't want to, you know, offend you. Have you heard of the concept of your friends, your family, your, have you thought of um, even, you know, mentors and your sort of board of advisors? I've heard that term used recently. Um, referring to a group of mentors. I have yeah. people around me who, Chris, they'll check me and say, Sarah, you need to pull it together. Sarah, that wasn't your greatest moment. Those are the people I'm asking. How's my mm -hmm. EQ, right? Okay, cool. And is that how you phrase it exactly? Like, hey, how's my EQ? Or is there some other way? Because some people might be like, what are you talking about EQ? Like, I, you know what? I lean full, you know, heavily into being Korean. And so I straight up say Nunchi and then I'll explain to them what that is. So they can walk away saying they know Korean yeah. uh, after the conversation. So mm -hmm. that's what I use. Nice. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So that sounds actionable, I think for me, because like I said, most people, if you ask them, Hey, you know, is your Nunchi strong? Hey, are you self-aware? They'll probably say yes. But I think a good actionable tip for you know most any marketers listening to this right now would be to go and find that board of advisors or find those mm -hmm. individuals to get your own self checked. And I'll do that myself too, because yeah. I like I feel like I'm pretty emotionally intelligent. But I'm gonna I'll ask my partner, I'll ask my business partner, <laughs> hey, check my Nunchi. Go listen to this episode and check my Nunchi. Yes, that's perfect. That's perfect. I will. Um, I, I do want to plug the team because you talked about the team. Yeah. This is for anyone who's still kind of questioning, okay, does this actually work? So Chris, I'll give you like a little mini case study. So within the last two years at Ironbow, we have prioritized EQ, Nunchi in the design and implementation of our go-to-market strategies within the last two years, okay? Mm -hmm. Iron Boat is a billion-dollar brand, if people don't know, um, resells technology uh, and services. We have won several awards, Intel's Partner of the Year Award for Go-To-Market, Dell's Marketing Partner of the Year. In the last two years, when we wow. made that decision to prioritize Nunchi. No so it's If you don't believe me, I'll show you the awards. It's a real I thing. I do. So. Well, no, I believe you. <laughs> I promise um, you, it works. Well, that's awesome. That's an amazing mini case study. So let's give people something actionable to do. I think a, a great first step is that, you know, ask your trusted advisors, ask the people that will really tell you the truth, whether your friends, your family, uh, your inside circle, hey, check me on my emotional intelligence. Like, is my mm -hmm. noon chi strong or, mm -hmm. or what? Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about, so 
you just told us about how you've applied this in the last two years to marketing to win these prestigious awards and you know to really grow as a company and, and as a team. So yeah. once we once we check our nunchi and our you know emotional intelligence, how do we then start translating that into marketing and messaging and campaigns and offers and things of that nature? So the translation is in the design phase of your go-to-market strategy. You're thinking through starting with the customer. We talked about um, the customer's emotional motivators, what matters yeah. to them, what's impeding their processes. That's yeah. that's where you start. That's infinity stone number two, right? That's infinity stone number two. And the best way, um, if you actually, this is a whole other topic for a podcast, but when you talk about personalization at scale, one of the core data points there is first first person data, right? You want it from the source. Mm-hmm. So my guidance is spend time with your customers. Mm-hmm. If you've got, right, we're a billion dollar brand. We have tons of customers, but I may zero in on the top 10 and actually spend time with them to understand, again, let me apply my nunchi. What kind of, how do they move? How are they responding to the messaging in first person, right? Mm-hmm. That is a perfect um, initial sort of discovery exercise as you're going through designing your campaigns. Okay, cool. And um, do you do that? And I know this is a micro question, but are you doing that like on a call, like on Zooms, or do you go and visit them and spend time with them in person? I'm a big fan of, I'm, I guess, old school now of in-person. Uh, it's difficult because Chris, all you're seeing is this, right? right? And if you're even seeing this, because a lot of folks opt out of camera. So right. I'm only going by your tone then uh, and the words you select to tap into my nunchi. So it makes it that much more difficult. So yeah. if I have an opportunity to get in front of a customer, I'm going to think through where are they going to be? Are they going to a specific um, industry conference or event? How can I get one-on-one time with them in person? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And we try to make that a point too, is to go and visit customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's incredibly valuable. Like even there's, there's been some instances where it's like, Oh, you know, do we need to meet again? It's, you know, it's only been three months kind of a thing, but mm-hmm. I'm a big believer. Anytime you visit in person, whether customers or team also, because yep. we're pretty much remote still. Yep. So we frequently are like, Hey, you know, and we'll just invite some, you know, a few specific individuals at different times and and hanging out in person is is always worth it. Yeah. Yep. And you build that trust, Chris, in person with your team, even if they happen to report into you, when you actually have that genuine level of trust, then when you ask them questions like, how's my EQ today? You know, the likelihood of them actually being honest with you goes up. So, oh wow! So that. you so you run that survey sometimes on a daily basis. Okay, like, hey, how's my? <laughs> I don't ask that on a daily basis, but that is genuinely the culture that we as a team strive every day to maintain within our marketing team. Is we are actual friends, we're peers. It doesn't matter if you report into me; you're we're the same level. So yeah, you know, that's how you achieve you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to have your back and you're going to have my back when I'm not in the room. Um, I'm going to give you straight up 
clear advice and guidance and feedback and vice versa. Like that is the level of trust and kind of rapport we want. Wow. You're a really elevated leader. It's impressive. We're trying. I don't know. We're trying. So, well, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you um, something sort of embarrassing about me. I'm not yet that elevated of a leader, I wouldn't say. And uh, one thing I realized lately is like, as a leader, you're oftentimes sort of the filter of bad news. You know, like there's plenty of days where you come in and you're just like, it's like bad news after bad news because all the problems, you know, come to you. Yeah. So my, uh, you know, after having been, you know, kind of conditioned by this for years, my response to almost any news, whether good or bad is like, okay, what do we do? You know, like, okay, what's next? Right. So, Hey, bad news hits. Okay. What's the plan? You know, I just like immediately action, but I've realized about myself that I started doing that even with good news. So people come to me with good news and I'll give them a quick congratulations, congratulations, you know, and then immediately go into like, okay, what's, you know, what do we do now? Like, how do we capitalize on this good news kind of a thing? Mm -hmm. And so this occurred to me, um, just a couple of days ago, honestly. And I was like, you know, like, that's not cool. Like you shouldn't be so quick to just move back into action orientation. So I started experimenting with perhaps the least expensive and most powerful thing, which is just kind words. Mm. Like, so now like people bring good news to me and I'm like, you know, I spend time deliberately, at least for the last couple of days, like telling them, Hey, that's a great, you know, you did a great job. I'm super impressed. Like that was super exciting. And then I stop because normally I would go in and be like, you know, now what? Yeah. But then I just stop. Uh, and what I found is that the the meetings that I'm in, like, take on a life of their own. You know, like, everybody else begins ideating and coming up with sort of, like, the what's next plan. And it takes them a little longer, maybe, than it would if I was just, like, pressing on them. Yeah. But um, but it happens. And, and I've also been uh, attempting to, like... Like, even if I don't think it's the best idea in the world and the, you know, in a previous lifetime, I would have been like, uh, guys, like, I don't know, maybe we should do this thing instead, mm -hmm. but I just let people roll with it these days. I'm just like, sure, that, that could have legs and it could, you know, I'm not, I'm not Mr. Know-it-all, like yeah. I'm frequently wrong. Yeah. So anyway, I guess the, um, the point of that I think is, uh, is kind of along the lines of take a little bit more time to check in with people mm -hmm. and to give kind words. Yeah. So you've just demonstrated that you have stone one, you have the self-awareness, which is great, right? Mm, nice. Okay. So you know what Not I love about that too, right? Um, if you, have you ever spent time with your team figuring out what their love language is? Like not in a romantic sense, but no, I haven't. Um, I have not. However, we do uh, these personality profiles. Are, are you yes. familiar with DISC? Yes. So yep. we do that and we have a facilitator to come like on a, on a semi-annual, not, well, once every two years, basically. And as a group, they explain the whole DISC methodology and you have like your behaviors and your motivators. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, no, I have not spent any time uh, 
learning about that? I'm, I'm just bringing that up because what's interesting is if you, let's say, you know, you've already started to apply that uh, words of affirmation, positive, kind words. If you were to, to actually confirm with your team, who on your team that, that actually rings the most true for, or holds the most weight then you can really apply that ninchi because you know that for that one person, those words mean everything. So that's when yeah. you know you got to prioritize that. So that's kind of an, an example of ninchi in real life. Yeah, it makes sense. So, um, so if words are not the love language, because I know the different love languages. Like I've read the the love language book. It's been a while, but I know that there's five, and like some of them are like you know, service, like one of them is service. One of them is touch, like physical mm -hmm. touch. Um, and I can't recall the others, but are they, are there love languages other than word or like, what are the love languages in business other than words? Well, I'll tell you public yeah, recognition, recognition gifts. So gifts is one. So this is a, a, um, a smaller example, but you know, if I know that people on the team, people I work with customers, partners, that's sort of one of their, their top love languages. I make sure, you know, birthday, your kids, you know, anniversary of whatever, you know, that we are making sure that we're going above and beyond and getting you something to recognize that. Um, what I will tell you from an executive perspective that I think holds true across any industry, data, data is the love language. Trying to build a case for budget, lead with data. If you're trying yeah. to, right? That's the CEO's love language, probably. <laughs> the CEO's. Love language and full transparency. I had to learn that because I'm Asian. I don't, I just broke that whole stereotype of all Asians are great at math. I had to learn that in my career to get very comfortable with data because it's a game yeah. changer. So, yeah, that's good. And the head of sales, their love language is like leads. Like, give me good leads, give me opportunities. That's right. Help me with this proposal. Yep. Yep. Sarah, you are next level. Like, you're just, you're literally operating on a different level, I think than I am and than most people are um, in terms of your understanding of just like the way that people tick internally. Uh, so I could talk to you for hours. Um, I do want to talk about Ironbow though. You've been there a couple years now, it looks like. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm curious just of like your, you know, your, your past, present, future there, like in the past, like what brought you there? What, awesome have you been able to achieve so far and then in the present just like what you're doing and in the future what you're looking at yeah but let's okay. start with the past or how did how did you arrive there in the first place you know i i came to ironbow because someone who is one of on, on my personal board he's one of my mentors who will call me out if i'm not being my best right he called me and said hey i just landed at ironbow i want you to come here they're looking for a new head of marketing and chris this was the first time that a brand this big, a billion dollar brand was giving me a seat at the table with a working mic. So I, you know, it made, it was sort of a watershed moment for me um, to take that role and then to be empowered to uh, build the team that we needed to make the changes and transform in ways that Ironbow traditionally had not, you know, in the past. Um, and one of the biggest opportunities was to leverage all of the best practices that I learned from working for Vista private equity portfolios, you know, SaaS backgrounds, bringing all of that to the GovTech space was lights out. 
because it's not, it's not a thing. It's not as standard here in GovTech marketing. So that for me was such a fun challenge. Um, And so now I'm two years into it and we are really seeing the progress that, that, you know, all the hard work, um, you know, it, it's it's all coming into to real life now, so it's great. Wow, I didn't realize you're former Vista. We love Vista. Mm-hmm. We yeah. work with like many of their portfolio companies. Yeah, they're fantastic. They're badasses. Yeah, they're VSOPs. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. If you come out of Vista, not not um, so learning you're taking anything. basically the. The Vista playbook and applying it like in the GovTech space. That's right. That's right. That's awesome. Yep. That's super cool. Um, so tell me some win stories. What's happened like in the in the couple years since you've been there? Well, you told me that one big win story already. Um Yes. Where you uh, go ahead. Oh, so just you know, we've spent a ton of time, as I mentioned, Iron Bow is the best at taking best of breed technology out there and building solutions for our customers, right? So it's not just GovTech, it's healthcare, it's FinServe, um, et cetera. And in the last two years, we've made a point to build the foundation, taking Vista best practices, taking modeling best practices, um, creating an actual sales and marketing funnel that didn't exist before, implementing... Uh, the tools to help us actually execute on all of this, bringing in ninjas at what they do from field marketing to marketing ops to, you know, business development, Marcom. Um, So we've really spent the last two years building a championship team with the tools we need. So now it's just execute, execute. Um, That's kind of the mode we're in right now. Love it. Love it. And you guys are not small. I mean, you have, it looks like, 950 plus people close to a thousand people yeah we're a little over a thousand yeah um so what is what are your big challenges what keeps you up at night you know it's uh it's growth it's for me it's specifically it's how do we take this opportunity to take all of these um, emerging technologies and actually solve problems for customers so there's a lot of education involved there Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of new legislation that's gone out that's tied to budget. So it's making sure that we're taking time to research and again, understand the customer and then yeah. also design and execute at the same time. So we are as a marketing team in lockstep with our chief strategy office, with our chief technology office right now to basically, um, prioritize our four core tech pillars and then take them to market through our channel partners. So there's a lot of goodness going on right now, um, but there's a lot of pre-work required. Interesting. What are your four core tech pillars? Our four core tech pillars are IT modernization, cybersecurity, workforce experience, and digital transformation. Mm-hmm. That's like That sounds like four of the hottest sectors to be in right now, basically. Very intentional. That's right. Cyber is hot you guys oh you yeah because you guys are right here in dc this is the well you're in like northern virginia but this is the national cybersecurity capital of the world here correct correct yep interesting and um do you most do you guys mostly sell to government i know you mentioned like healthcare and um and financials but is it 
historically government and you're moving kind of into the commercial space more so? It's primarily government. It's a ton of DOD and civilian. Um, and then okay. we do, yeah, there is, we do have um, healthcare as well uh, and commercial kind of fall after that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. Well, um, the last thing that I'm curious about, and I think a lot of listeners would be curious too, is um, what are you investing in? Like what's what's coming up on the agenda? Uh for marketing, we are investing in actually more of our, I talked about some of the tools. Yeah. So we're actually making a decision to bring our ISR function in-house. So mm-hmm. that's going to require a whole set of An tools. ISR, I'm sorry, is uh, Inside ISR? sales reps. Ah, okay. Yeah. So we don't call them ISRs here at Ironbow. We call them BDRs, business development reps, but yeah. You know, different names, same function, um, okay. but it's it's what sales cares most about. You talked about sales leaders wanting leads. Well, yeah, there's this you know lifelong debate on how to define a lead. So having a BDR or ISR function in house, responsible for vetting the lead and scheduling a meeting on behalf of sales, that's the dream for a sales mm-hmm. leader, and that's yeah. what we're doing right now. Gotcha. So that was previously with like a third party firm that would do that for you. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, and what stage are you guys in? Are you sort of still in the discovery phase or more into the experimental phase of that? We are actually in the experimental piloting phase. We do have headcount hired and they're phenomenal. Um, they're actually a part of our sales Academy program. So the whole um, intent there is for us to breed future solution sellers. Mm-hmm. So they spend time working with marketing, going through the motions of, as I mentioned, understanding campaigns, following up on leads that we drive, yeah. scheduling qualified meetings. And then over the course of time, they transition out to outside sellers. That's so smart. Mm-hmm. That's so smart to think of it like that because uh, the BDR, the ISR, like that's a very difficult role. It's a very yeah. challenging role. That's just like failure after failure, basically. And maybe mm-hmm. once or twice or three times a day, you'll have like some semblance of success. So it's a high churn role. So to think about it in a way that like, hey, this is a sort of a stepping stone or career progression path is very smart. Yeah, you learned that from Vista. Uh, the most, the the measurements. Metrics from Vista, the modeling from Vista, the, I mean, the general concept, no, I can't give them credit for that. (laughs) Nice. You came up with that one yourself. Cool. Well, um, Sarah, this has been an amazing interview. Like I said, I could talk to you for hours on end. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long because I know that uh, you have a hard stop here. Um, Let's do the lightning round. Let's do it. Are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready. All right. Question number one, if you were to start a side hustle, what side hustle would that be? It would be a consulting firm, which I have, but I don't have time to use. Mm, Interesting. Okay. What kind of consulting? Specifically marketing for small businesses. I come from immigrant parents who had small businesses, didn't know how to speak English, and they started two businesses, but it's how to help them grow and market themselves. That's what I would want to do. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. All right. Question number two is top three books or authors or influencers that have made an impact for you. 
you know what? I'm going to plug Tiffany Bova and I'm going to tell her about, She, I mean, she's obviously listening to this, but um, yes. she has been so instrumental in our ability to transform here at Ironbow to focus on CX and EX specifically, mm-hmm. which is really changing the game for all things Ironbow from our culture to our ability to drive growth. So I'm going to plug her because she's got the experience mindset and growth IQ are two books that she released recently. So mm-hmm. I'll plug. Her. Is she uh, a uh, team member of yours or no, she's an she, author? She's not. So she actually um, has a background, extensive background, but she was most recently at Salesforce as one of their advisors. She was at Gartner doing analyst work. So she's a boss. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. We'll make sure to send this to her. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so that's one. Or do you want to just go Tiffany Bova all the way? I'm going to go Tiffany three? Bova all the way right now. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Yeah. I like that. Cool. And then uh, third question is, how do you avoid burnout? And how do you help your team do the same? Oh, man. I am. Um, that's t- that's always a priority for me because you guys know I'm a boy mom. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Yeah. Uh, I do my best to, this is a question I ask every day, Chris, where are you on the burnout scale? And if I, I physically will feel like my shoulders are up to my head because of the tension, that's when it's kind of my indicator that, Hey, I need to go take a half day, go for a walk, do whatever, go for a run. That's what I do to avoid mental burnout because I don't ever want to get to that place. (laughs) So, yeah. That's brilliant. Where are you on the burnout scale? Just a direct question. Yes. Everyone. I mean, that's so one. smart. Yeah. We talk about that. Where are you? That's so smart. Well, Sarah, you are an amazing marketer. You're an amazing leader. I've learned a lot here today. And I'll be honest that, you know, uh, I've heard of emotional intelligence and EQ. I'd sort of categorized it like, you know, in the squishiness category, but you really showed me today that. Uh, it's not squishy. It's not squishy at all. In fact, it's very powerful, both for a team, uh, extremely powerful for any leader, but it can also be used to really crank up marketing and lead gen. That's right. So that's awesome. Uh, For everybody listening, if you learned something here today, or if you laughed a little, drop us a like or a comment or a five-star rating. We would definitely appreciate that very much. Uh, and Sarah, for everybody listening, um, if they want to learn more about you or Ironbow, where would you direct them? I would say go to ironbow.com. We are constantly mm-hmm. updating the site with fresh content, videos. If you want to learn more about the team or what we're doing from a technology standpoint, that is your home base. Yeah. And I would like to learn more about that uh, as well. So we might we might have to have you back on the show sometime. Let's do it. I'm ready. Cool. All right, Sarah, we'll stay on the line for just uh, one minute so we can wrap up. And for everybody else, that was another exciting episode of Revenue Driven CMO, and we will see you next time. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revenuedrivencmo.com. That's revenuedrivencmo.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. 
even if you're already a client. If you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, Web Mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, no hyphens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision.